everybody, welcome to Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexroad and Adam Sparks here talking some hoops. Adam talking some bounce back from Darius Garland for the Commodores. And first thing I want to hit you with here, this is there's a long break right now after a blowout of Middle Tennessee, waiting for a really attractive game at home against Arizona State, final exams in between. This is one impression that hits me, Adam, from watching the Middle Tennessee game. And I know the Blue Raiders are, you know, rebuilding, first year coach, not very good this year, but I think this team has really high upside defensively because of length, athleticism. I really love how they defended in that game. And uh, I think this is already probably Bryce Drew's best defensive team. He hasn't had a good one yet in two, but it could be a really good defensive team. Am I wrong? Well, I asked Bryce Drew about that um, after the middle game. And, you know, because uh, Nick, Nick McDevitt, the middle coach, came in and just raved and raved about the, uh, defensively what they had to match up against. And one thing with Darius Garland being gone, obviously that's bad in just about every area, maybe every area, but you do get bigger on the perimeter defensively. We get bigger overall. So now you've got your wings. Are, well, Saban Lee's got some decent sized range for a point guard. And then you've got uh, Joe Toy, Matt Ryan, that's six seven, six eight at your wings. You just got so much more length out there now. If Neesmith comes in, he's got good length. So so you're long, you're tall. And I asked Bryce Drew about that. I said, technically, I mean, you're a lot longer without Darius out there. It's got to help you defensively. And um, he said, even before Darius's injury, we've been trying to convince these guys of that. There's there's something there. And, and I think you get this a lot of times with new teams that have new parts, is that you have to convince them of what they're really good at because they're not they don't yet have, have that chemistry. And he's been trying to do that even in the preseason to remind these guys you've got more length, you've got you can do a whole lot more defensively than most teams can do, and uh, they're starting to come into that now. The middle game was was a good barometer of that. I mean, they held middle to fifty one. Middle didn't have really any scores, but still, it was, it was a heck of a job defensively. I like Matthew Moyer where he's starting to come around defensively, rebounding. Chateau is a really good shot blocker. If he can stay out of foul trouble, he's, he's done that reasonably well. So, I th- yeah, I agree. Defensively, they look pretty good, and they're going to have to be in uh, the game you cited, Arizona State. That's a top 15 RPI or NET team, we're calling them now. And right after that, Kansas State, five days later, is a top 30 team. So you could you could really help your NCAA tournament resume right there. Yeah, big time. Well, and that's the thing. Chateau... Yes, he can erase shots at the rim, but so can Cleavon Brown. He's gotten a lot more athletic to me. And like you said, Moyer, I mean, his, his length and his range, you know, he's uh, he's a really interesting player. I, I don't know that you want him jacking up threes at the shot clock buzzer, like the one, the step back that he hit. I don't know if you want him trying like three straight crossovers in a row, you know, and, and some of the stuff he did, in which Bryce Drew actually pulled him from the game after that. But he did a few other things like this one-handed catch and finish. And, you know, I mean, he's really intriguing. And then Neesmith had a play, Adam, where he pins a shot to the backboard, grabs the rebound, and then takes it all the way and finishes on the other end. I mean, they still have, you know, some really intriguing athletes. But it's all about, like, communication, switching on the ball screens, doing or covering the ball screens however they're covering them. And that – I thought in that game it looked like 
it didn't look like a young team, you know, in early December. Yeah, I think individually you've got all different, I don't know about issues, but you've got kind of different timelines with guys. Neesmith, I think, hasn't figured out how good he is athletically yet. He, he came in as a shooter. He's a great scorer in high school, but he can do a lot of things with the ball besides shoot it from 25 feet. And I think he's starting to figure that out. But you've got guys like you mentioned, Moyer, trying to take guys off the dribble. He doesn't need to do that. Now, he can step back and make a few threes. He's worked on those a lot in uh, in the offseason. You're starting to see it now. Where Shitu is more of, I thought, I think he's stepping back and trying to take too many threes. Simi is a guy that needs to take the ball to the rim. He needs to play in the post. He can do a lot of things in, in the open court, but he's trying to develop this three-pointer, and I don't know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. And so he, he's got to get more around the paint and create – Moyer's got to do less or more with less, I guess. He doesn't need to try to create too much on his own. Yeah, should too, man. I understand he could hit a shot or two, but you don't want to be f- floating out there shooting jumper. Even Cleveland Brown hit one from straight on, wide open, fine. Take one here and there, but you know I'd rather see him around the rim too. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to go shoot the three and hang, play on the perimeter. You know when 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 too was, he had a few plays inside in the second half where he was forceful and, and look, man. NBA scouts, they, they want to see versatility and all that, but they want to see someone who can go ahead and get you a bucket in there too. So, Yeah, there, I mean, the, you, you, need to be, you need to be good at a lot of things to be drafted, but you need to be really, really good at one thing. And I think he's got to focus on the one thing before he tries to do all these other things. And he is and can be even better, but a, a terrific rebounder for one thing. What, what One thing, uh, Bryce, I asked him last night about, uh, you know, First off, we mentioned in the last podcast that Simi is now on all the billboards around town. They took off Darius, but Simi, she too. And I said, okay, so he's your face of the program, looks like to me now. What else does he have to do besides score? Because he is scoring. And Bryce Drew said he's got to be your best passer. So he's got the best vision on the team. He needs to be a guy that doesn't just create for himself, but he's got to be a guy that the offense runs through. And I think you'll start to see them – hit their stride if he's a guy that starts racking up some assists well and see and i uh, obviously he loves to rip it and go and he can face up and drive but to me where that's most effective is if he's in the post and and either he draws attention or he goes and takes someone draws a foul and if he draws attention now he's making an inside out pass or wide open three i mean that's where i'd like to see him work there more Saban lee now is i mean it's his team you know maxwell evans you know is getting minutes now as as really the backup point guard but Saban Lee it's, it's he's running the team what what do you think about how he's adjusted to that so far I think he looks somewhat awkward at times it's not his fault because he 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 came in last year as a point guard then he was told okay you're going to share with Riley Lachance who's a shooting guard who's playing point guard and in this offseason he was told, okay, now that we have this other point guard, you're going to go back to shooting guard, but you're sometimes going to be a point guard. And then Darius Garland goes down, and okay, now you're the point guard. You know, And that's a lot of things for a guy to go through in like 16 months in college. And it's going to take him a little bit of time. You know, last season he was really, really good, especially late in the year at 
more of the clear out isolation you know, shot clock's running down, you go make a play. He was really comfortable in that. I think right now he's trying to figure out how to balance the create and score on his own with the try to get everybody else involved. I thought he was pretty good against middle in that way, but it's just going to take a while because I think he's overthinking a lot of things in that role right now. Well, and like you said, I mean, he worked a lot, and he talked going into the season about working on catching and shooting and knowing that – with Garland, with the ball in his hands, there's going to be wide-open shots for everybody at times. And so he's worked so hard on being more of a catch-and-shoot, too. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, no, the ball's in your hands again. So how do you – I mean, I think that the, the answer is don't turn it over. Use what you have. Think about creating for others. But he's going to have to score for this team, too. I mean, I think it'll probably get better as it goes along. And, and the fact is, they have – now that he's at the one, they have guys that can catch-and-shoot, you know, Neesmith and Toy to some extent, but mostly Neesmith and Matt Ryan, especially Matt Ryan, will catch and shoot from anywhere on the floor. So you don't have to, he doesn't have to be a step back type guy. He needs to drive to, to be able to kick out to those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing. You're right. I mean, he, let's, let's face it, he's better slashing to the rim than shooting a jump shot. As hard as he's worked on that, he does, you know, he is not a natural. I don't think he'll ever be a super high volume, high percentage jump shooter. I mean, he's working on all aspects of his game, but he's very good right now at going to the rim off the dribble. All right, so big games ahead for them. And then the SEC schedule, and uh, it's going to be really interesting. Now, I want to I talk a little bit, Adam, and I haven't asked this to Bryce Drew yet. I, I want Bryce. I want this to marinate a little bit before, because okay. I want you know it's not time to put Bryce Drew on the spot right now. There's time to to figure this out. But I have have been thinking about this, and it's just sort of the timing of this year. But Lipscomb and Belmont are really good this year. They should both, and we don't know if they're going to win their tournaments, but they should both be in state teams right now. They're, you know, they they slot in around twelve or thirteen seed range based on how they've played. They're really good. Lipscomb has two losses, uh, both to Belmont. Belmont has one loss at Green Bay. Lipscomb went to TCU and SMU won. These are really good teams, and it's not like this every year. But Vanderbilt, Lipscomb, and Belmont, they should all be playing this year. I think it stinks that they aren't playing this year. They would be terrific games. And I know it's not as simple as, hey, just play all your local teams, Bryce Drew. But if, if, if – Nashville could do something like Philadelphia and have sort of its own separate round robin type thing. And I'm not talking about an event because the event thing has been talked about. And maybe that's just the answer, an event with Memphis or Tennessee or whatever. But I'm talking about just the local teams always playing each other, standings, a champion, a trophy, and all whatever you call it team in Philadelphia. They have the all big five team and they have, I mean, it's all you know, it's its own sort of thing, and it's really awesome at the Palestra. Here in Nashville, we have Memorial Gym, which is – I love it. I think it's a fantastic old barn. I think it's one of the best places around for college basketball. I've been to Williams Arena and Cameron Indoor and Allen Fieldhouse, and I think Memorial Gym, when packed, is just – I don't think it gets enough credit for what it is. So – Tell me I'm crazy, Adam. That, well, well, that this could happen. Here's the issue. It's it's we've got to define what this is because Vandy has tried to do something for the past three years, basically since Bryce Drew's been here, of trying to combine UT, Memphis, Vandy, and some of these mid majors in a in a classic at Bridgestone Arena. Now some that that's been somewhat done before. 
I remember back when I covered MTSU, MTSU played Memphis and Tennessee played Western Kentucky. It was a doubleheader. So, and that, and that went pretty well. Middle Tennessee and Vandy played at Bridgestone. Vandy, Vandy fans did not come to that in large numbers at all. And Vandy fans typically don't go off campus for anything. But it, it depends on what you're defining this as because if you're talking about bringing in UT and Memphis and then pairing those with mid-majors and then playing around Robin, that's one thing. What you're more talking about is having it at Memorial include the Nashville schools, not necessarily Tennessee and Memphis. Because yeah. UT and Memphis will not come to Memorial and they're above yeah, that. No, they're, I mean, but, the, UT is coming to Memorial one time a year already in the SEC schedule. I mean, it's not... But now UT and Memphis are playing at Bridgestone, I think, next year. Right, th- this year they're playing in Memphis. Yeah, right. so... And that's different, and those things are fine, too. I'm talking about we have great basketball locally, and, and you know, T- TSU is another good program. We have MTSU and Austin P. Now, I said six. You could do just the city schools and exclude MTSU and Austin P. And you have the Lipscomb-Belmont. They already played twice a year in the Battle of the Boulevard. But to me, if you did something that was at Memorial, for one thing, one of the hesitations I know Bryce Drew has, in his first two years, he went to middle his first year, a really good middle team that, of course, won an NCAA tournament game, and they got hammered there. And I remember after the game, because someone... I don't know. Someone asked him, so what do you think about playing more of these? And he was like, yeah, uh, yeah, well, now... Late by the end of that year, that game was part of nation's number one schedule. How much did we talk about it on right. Selection Sunday? It was a it was a factor. That's how they got in. That's how they got absolutely. In. Yeah. Now, and then the next year, last year, they go to Belmont. They give Belmont a game at the Curb Center. They lose that game. Now, of course, that day, Bryce was still like walking on clouds after work because that was the day Darius Garland committed to Vanderbilt. But. You know, look, I get the hesitation of playing road games. A lot of times these mid-major programs want, like, you know, can we do a three-for-one? Can we do a two-for-one so we can get a home gate? What I'm saying is the, the the sacrifice for everyone else is you're playing on Vanderbilt's home court in any of these games, okay? Vanderbilt's – what we're doing for Vanderbilt is you – it's always a home game. You don't have to play any of these teams in, in their buildings anymore, but you have to play them all every year. And if you look at this Vanderbilt schedule this year, I got three or four games right now that no one wants to watch. No one wants to watch them play Savannah State and some of the – I mean, every team plays – Power 5 team plays them. They're by games. You pay for them. You pay for wins. Look, there are going to be some years where a Belmont would be good enough to beat a Vanderbilt. Lipscomb, whatever. You know, some of these games would be tough. But they're in your building. To me – those teams, for the most part, they're not going to be disastrous RPI or NET games. They're, they're, you know, they're pretty solid programs. And if you're confident in your program, then I think you should embrace something like this. I just think bat, college basketball gets lost around here so much, Adam. And I mean, look, it was going to be different this year with Darius Garland. Now he's gone or he's hurt. But college basketball needs to do more to make people notice. Everybody talks about every year, well, college basketball, no one cares till, till the brackets come out. Here's an example of an area that has a lot of really good programs that could do something that people would be like, wow, this is fun. This is cool. So do it. Well, the, the question, let's push this ahead. Why is this not happening? Because it's been batted around somewhat. Um, again, I think it, it's the schools are looking at the wrong event. 
you know, I, I think a lot of the feeling from your column was, well, Lipscomb and Belmont would love to do it, but Vandy isn't on board. And then, you know, I hear from the other side, Vandy would love to do an event, again, at Bridgestone with yeah. UT and Memphis. But that's different. And, yeah, and that, that's a different event. So it's it's not that anybody is holding this up. They're looking at different types of events. I don't think the at Memorial has been explored that much. I don't think Vandy has looked at it, again, because they're talking about UT and Memphis. If the, the the issue with going to Bridgestone Arena was the risk, the financial risk, because you have to rent out that building, and if your fans don't show up, you don't sell tickets, you you take a loss. And the history is Vanderbilt fans don't show up. Right, there. they don't they don't go. But if you have it at Memorial, I don't think there's that much of a risk at all. I think that's where Vandy, if they take your idea, they need to go back to Lipscomb and Belmont, say now it's on you. What about it coming to our place? Right. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, if you're Lipscomb and Belmont, you want the three for one because you want that home game when you know you're going to pack your place. I mean, I. Yeah. So it's not. I mean, it would be there'd be some tussling, I think, back and forth on this, and there would have to be some kind of working out of financial details, not to compare it to the Big Five because that's been going since the '50s. But the Big Five, they get great crowds at the Palestra, and it works for everyone. And you know. Villanova still schedules other good non-league games, and Villanova's been winning that thing the last few years. It's just been a dominant program. But some years they didn't win it. St. Joe's was better, you know. I mean, Penn's had good teams, obviously. You know, Temple, of course. So I just yeah. I don't know. This would be not quite, I guess, as equitable. But I think Vanderbilt is the Villanova in this situation. Yeah. Well, the, the knee-jerk reaction I think with some fans immediately would be like, "Wait, I, do you really want to play a whole lot, a whole lot of mid-major teams?" The idea of bringing in Memphis UT is that you have marquee teams and you have others. But if you if you don't look necessarily at the conference that they're in, Belmont and Lipscomb, like you said, and and middle and previous years, probably not for a couple more years, will help you. Yeah, your strength exactly. They will help you right now. They won't hurt you. Um, so if you get past the names, and I think in, in college basketball, that needs to be done more than anything, getting past the names. Well, you're right. And the thing is, I, I think, look, I knew I knew all about Belmont coming from Michigan because of Rick Bird and what they've done, you know, getting the NCAA tournament a lot of times. So that's a name. Now, Lipscomb, that's a program that, honestly, I did not know nearly as much as I should have known about before I got here because – simply because they have not been on the national stage like that. But those are two really good programs. And I think middle, hey, middle could be good next year again. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of coming and going and things like that with programs like that. They lost a lot of players from last year, obviously a new coach. I think most years that's the key is you're not going to damage yourself. Now, yes, there are coaches that say, man, I just, you play in local teams and there's kids that locally that I didn't recruit. Now they want, and all that stuff. And so if you're that freaked out about a loss here or there, then okay, don't do it. But to me, the benefits and for the sport as a whole, I mean, way outweigh the risk to me. But I, of course, I'm not Bryce Drew. You, and you would think uh, the idea is that, let's say, if you have a three game round robin, you, you do one ticket for all of it, right? That way you can, you can. Well, like the like the Big Five has different. Like they'll have a doubleheader. It'll be like okay, Penn Temple, Villanova, St. Joe today. Okay, yeah. and in two weeks it's like okay, Villanova, Penn, St. Joe, LaSalle. So they have different days of where they would have like a doubleheader that's part of the standings. So you and get the, one ticket for the day. I, I would uh, assume for the day. Yeah, that, that gets but you it's the- not all one event. It's like it's like they're gonna play. They're gonna f- play each other there. 
probably a few different dates and at the end here are the standings and here's your trophy for your champion for you know it's a four games you know five teams so you play four you play the other four so like four and oh villanova the last few years has been four and oh in this thing but in other years you might win it three and one or whatever i mean so i I don't know what would work here but i like the idea of a condensed event a you come here you play your games you're done maybe that's two or three days but okay well if it was four that would be easier because um you could kind of rotate it around i suppose yeah i mean you know look there's a lot of details to hammer out like you said if vanderbilt was cool using the like with the home games, now you come back to the other teams and now you have to figure out financially. I just, it just stinks this year because I really think like, I think Belmont and Lipscomb both are good enough to win an NCAA tournament game this year. I really think so. And that w- those would be, those would have been good games with Darius Garling. They'd be probably even tighter without him. And you know, this is a year Vanderbilt plays TSU plays MTSU to Vanderbilt's credit. It's not like they dodge everyone, but this is the year you wanted it to be the other way around and it's just how it works out and so maybe maybe there will be some serious talks so we will see we will keep pushing the envelope on this and we will see how vanderbilt does in a really big game really a couple big games coming up arizona state and kansas state thanks for listening we will be back next time on breaking down the doors